the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today I want to talk to you guys about three trees. I want to talk about three trees. So these three trees, the first tree, I guess, is a tree where mankind maybe lost hope. The second tree I want to talk about is the tree where we all find hope. And then the third tree I want to talk about, giving you a heads up, don't normally do this, is our tree and how we can share hope. Thank you, Jesus, for caffeine. So the first tree is in the Garden of Eden. You've got the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And man was communing with God, had this intimacy thing going down to a T until one day they decided to do something they were told not to do. They were told to not eat from that tree. There was another tree, the tree of life, and this other one tree, the tree of knowledge between good and evil, they were told, do not eat from its fruit. Do not eat from this fruit. They didn't say you can't play rounders with it. They didn't say you can't squash it. They didn't say, God didn't say, you can't use it as an amazing skin balm. He said, you can't eat it. There's a lot of things they could have done, one thing they couldn't do. And we know the story, Lucifer, El Diablo comes along, brings temptation there. They eat it, and then the way that the passage in the story goes is that they they realize they're naked. Um, They have this realization, this awareness, and this shame. So nakedness in the Hebrew culture is known as like the greatest shame. So they have this thing, and they run, and they hide, and they try making like fig leaves to cover up their shame. I mean, who's ever done that? You know, you've done something you're ashamed of, and you're desperately just trying to cover the whole thing up um, so that no one finds out about it so that no one knows what's going on. I mean, that happens with government institutions today. Me and Johnny are watching this crazy film about the cover-ups in America, about how CIA agents tortured um, suspected terrorists. Uh, it's just crazy. We do the same thing. They got their fig leaves out and they try to cover the whole thing up, but it blows open. WikiLeaks and all that kind of jazz. So we all do it. We all cover it up. But then God comes to the, the garden and then he says a question. He says, Adam, where are you? which is a very fascinating question because God hasn't, isn't inept. He's not lacking in power to find out where they are. So the question isn't about location. It's not which bush it is. It's not like, wow, you found a bush made of leaves that I cannot see through. He's saying, Adam, where are you? The question is, where is the Adam I knew and loved? Where's the Adam that would meet with me, that would spend this time with me, that had this relationship with? That Adam is gone. And I think sometimes for all of us, there can be moments in the Christian life when it comes to a relationship with God. Maybe you have had a relationship with God. Maybe you haven't had a relationship with God. Maybe you've heard the idea of it. But it's almost like that thing diminishes. But the question that God still asks today is the exact same question. Insert your name. Where are you? I've been asked that question loads of times by God. Andy where are you? Because the Andy he knows and loves is no longer with us. He's passed away. I'm on some next thing. I'm making different priorities. I'm moving in a different location. So the question I want to ask from the first tree is whatever it is that's caused you to be in a place where God is asking the question, insert name, where are you? Has it caused you to run trying to cover everything up? Because the thing that happens is God comes and then they're like, yeah, I know, it's totally ridiculous. They're taking the fig leaves off. And it says in the Bible that They were clothed in the skin of an animal, so a sacrifice took place, pointing to them a way that things were going to go. So the next tree I want to talk to you about is I want to read a passage to you from Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written... 
Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of instruction, the book of law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to those who are not his descendants. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. There is this great situation whereby no matter who we are and the hopelessness that I believe is in every human being, the nakedness, the shame that we come into this world with and the actions that make us even more so throughout our life leave us in a place where I think everyone I've met at some point, if they're drunk enough, because they deny it, all my non-Christian friends deny it until they're drunk. That's when all my mates are like, they cuss me out the whole time they're sober and then when they're drunk they go, man, I just wish I could be like you. And I'm like, you're nuts. You have no idea what I'm going through in my life right now. But I know what they mean. Because whether covered in poo or covered in roses, I have this hope. I have this hope. And that's based upon Jesus becoming a curse in my place. That's based upon forgiveness being a real thing. That's based upon the peace we've talked about last year in one of our series. Correct balance newness of life, wholeness, a bright future, prosperity, all these things I know that I have and they are mine in Christ. I don't need to have a ton of stuff. I know when I have him, he is more than enough. He became a curse that we might no longer be under a curse. He redeems us from a curse. The last tree I want to talk to you guys about is I want to talk to you about the parable of the mustard seed because I was reading this this week in Mark chapter 4, verse 30, and he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. And just as he was, and the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling with water. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushions. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, rabbi, do you not care that we're dying? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus does a really small thing. I find it interesting that the parable there goes straight to that story because I feel like so often you and I 
undervalue and underplay what it is that we have. I feel like so often we underplay it and we're looking for something more. We're looking for God to give us something big. We're looking for God to give us something that we believe is certain. We're looking for him to give us something that we um, would place a value on. But he's trying to say to them, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And if you saw a mustard seed, I used to have one stuck on a bookmark in, a, in, in my Bible when I was a kid. And it's just so small. I, I have to have my fingers together and it's between the nails. It's so tiny. It's so irrelevant. It's not the thing that if God gave it to you, go, wow, God has given me a great thing today. Blown away. Hashtag humbled. Hashtag humble brag. You wouldn't be posting a picture on Instagram because if you tried to get a picture of it, you'd be zooming in so much, you have this blurred weird thing that would make an abomination of your timeline. And so you wouldn't post it. You wouldn't brag about it. You wouldn't tell anyone about it. You wouldn't find a friend. You wouldn't share. You wouldn't tweet anyone. You wouldn't message anyone. You wouldn't do any of those things. You'd just go, what the flipping heck is this? That's the response we have. But you see, so often you see God gives you and I a seed and sometimes we don't appreciate the greatness, the goodness of what it is he wants to give us. So often we look down upon it and we think it's a really small, small thing. But he says, out of all the garden plants, this is the biggest. It comes as a really small, tiny seed. But when it's planted, when it grows, it's it's so big. It's the biggest of all the garden plants and the birds of the air take refuge in it. And you see, I think the message I, I want to share for like 2020 is this, is that I believe that there is a, a sense in our world right now that is so totally hopeless. I mean, I can think a few weeks back, I was sitting in school next to this kid and he just starts talking about his church. This kid's got all sorts of challenges, shall I say, and he just starts talking about church and he starts going like, oh, my church, we're talking about World War Three breaking out and what you need to do and stuff like that. And I nearly filled out like a, uh, you know, like a, sa- a safety concern, like safeguarding. Mm, his church is cray cray. And then it was so funny, over the, obviously over the holiday period, like World War Three has literally nearly broken out. On Monday tomorrow, I'm gonna be there going, hey bro, what, did they, what were the tips? <laughs> How am I gonna survive this thing? You know what I mean? It was just so funny. I got from like, this kid's cray cray to in the week. I was like, huh, no way. <laughs> totally need to ask a seven-year-old for tips on how to survive what's going on in our world. But I mean, when we look at our world, we had an election between two racists, either an anti-Semite or someone who made racist comments. Uh, Lose-lose. It's an absolute lose-lose. Um, that, that was it. And then we look at football at the moment and we hear the things shouting in the terraces and there's more and more racism than there's been maybe since the 80s. I think that's the last time I could think of it being this bad. I think the 80s, um, I don't think it's as bad as the 80s right now, but... I, it's, it's the most vocal racism has been on the pitch. And people are talking about the problems of football. But it's not a problem of football. We had two races to vote for, for Prime Minister. It's a national problem. And we're in a situation like this, and we can look at it, and we can see it's darker and darker and darker. And then we, I haven't even mentioned Brexit. My God. Like, what's that going to do to our country? How is that going to affect everyone? What's going to be the ripple effect for our nation? We look at the 2020, and, and, and we may have had a big party. We may have knocked back a few drinks over New Year's. But I think most people in the country, after they sobered up, are feeling quite a bit of anxiety about what it is we're going to be experiencing. We're looking at young people and what it means to raise young people today. And knife crime is the upward trend, not the downward trend. And we, and we look at all of the and violent crime of, of all different types of nature is on the up. All of these things lead us to see like things look pretty hopeless, things look pretty bleak, but actually the, the same situation is still true today. And I've seen throughout my life, ter- time after time after time, those who have been broken, those who have been hurt, those who have been hurting, those who have caused hurt, have had a moment where they've come to the one who was cursed on a tree for them. And I've seen them and their lives exchanged like that. I've seen a guy who threatened to kill me, who was a known gunman in Croydon, and for one week I prayed, Lord, kill this guy that he gets a new life in you in Christ Jesus. He was dead the next Friday. 
and going around preaching in churches because he gave his life to Jesus. You completely change like that. You, you, when you hear sometimes someone against you or something for you, you just need to pray for them to die and have a new life in Jesus. You just need to pray. Every day I just prayed for him because if I didn't, it would have been me dead the next Friday because he said he was coming back on Friday to shoot me in the head. I didn't see him three months later. I see a lady on the train. She goes, remember that guy at the cricket bat tried to smash your face? And I'm like, I totally remember that guy, funnily enough. It was kind of a moment in my life. She goes, next Friday, walking past Elam Church in Croydon. And he went in, heard a message, gave his life to Jesus. And he's not about it anymore. He's in America right now preaching, she said to me. I was like, on the train, like, no flipping way. You see, sometimes... You just have a small seed of like, you know what, I'm going to start praying about this because this matters. I'm going to start believing God for this because it matters. I'm going to start trusting in him because it matters. I'm going to start having hope for things that I would never normally have hope for. Last week, I was at um, the Youth for Christ conference because I have to go as part of my work. And for four, five, four or five days, I was in Manchester and we're at this hotel and we're listening to session after session after session. And the sessions were really cool. But while I was there on the second day, I remember being in a worship session and God said to me, remember this kid and I, and I remember this kid his name's Tyler I used to be a youth pastor at a church and I used to do these assemblies and I'd do the assembly and I started to see you in that school so I did the assembly and then I'd say hey everyone Wednesday lunchtime I'm going to be in this room free to join me snacks, games we're going to chat about some really cool stuff and these kids started turning up and he was a kid straight off the bat from an assembly just started turning up at this CU wasn't even a Christian just turned up and then he started coming to that, and then at that, I would then start going, hey, Friday night, we've got Friday Night Live, love you to be there, we're gonna play some games, kick about some ball, have some tuck shop, have some other stuff, some music and stuff, and then at the end, I'm gonna share like a five minute message about Jesus, it'd be great if you could be there. He started going to that, and then on Fridays, I'd be going, hey, Sunday morning, Empire Cinema, Sutton, be great to see you there, we'll be doing church. He started coming to that. And he was kind of on this journey, and then, I invited him along to this thing and I just said to the CEO, I said, hey, one of the guys, you paid for them to like be at the hotel and he's gone back to London because he had things to do. So we've paid for him so it's not stealing. Can I, can I bring this kid like to dinner? Because you've paid for it anyway as a company. And then could he stay in the conference for tonight's talk? Because you know what? You've paid for it. And he goes, yeah, he just can't stay the night. I went, no, yeah, that would be weird. That would be weird. Stick him in a room with a number member of staff. He's like, who is this guy in my room? You know what I mean? That would be weird. I was like, yeah, don't. I'm not asking for that. And so I messaged him and I go, hey, do you want to come for dinner? I'm at this hotel. That's paid for. It's covered. I'm going to go to this like Jesus thing. And then after that, you want to grab some beers? He was like, yeah, cool. I'll be there. And he literally drove and he turned up. And so I'm smuggling a guy into a Christian conference for youth workers. I smuggled him in. And all the other guys on my, on my organization thought, this is so cool. Some thought it looks me a bit weird, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting this guy saved. So I, I invite him along and he comes to this thing and all this kind of stuff. And he sits there through the talk. He loved the talk. He was like, man, I wish I could listen to that guy again. We started talking about some faith. He's got some weird views and things like that. But we, I say weird to me, probably not weird for most. And, and we, we had some great conversations over a couple of beers. And then my friend and him exchanged numbers. It was cool. And he went off. He turned around to me and said, Andy, you know what? You need to start doing a youth club again and you need to start advertising it. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm never doing a youth club again. And he goes, yeah, but remember this kid. Remember that kid. Remember this one. Because I had every naughty kid in the whole of year eight in that CU. Every kid. A teacher pulled me out once, afraid that, how are you coping? I was like, I'm fine. Can I do my thing now? So I had like kids who are about that life. He goes, do you remember them? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, this one's here, this one's there. That would have been me but you had a youth club on a Friday night that I came to every week. 
I'd have been banging out, I'd have been shot, and I'd have been doing all the things that they were doing. But because of you, I'm doing like a biomed degree at university in Manchester. And he just goes, I, just, I never really got the chance, but he goes, I just want to say to you, thank you so much for doing what you did all those years ago, because I know where I would have been if I hadn't. Sometimes we do some really small things, like turn up on a Friday and do a youth group. Sometimes we do really small things where we just have a word for some time. Some, sometimes we do a really small thing and we invite someone to something, and sometimes we do this, and it's just like a little mustard seed. And you don't think much of it, but before you know it, years later, you're looking back and you're realizing the birds of the air, they come and they take nest in it. At the time, I could have just said, when I said to people, like, hey, this kid comes along, they'd have been like, okay, cool, cool story, bro. But actually, all these years later, when he's talking about it, he's talking about, if you hadn't done what you did, I wouldn't be here doing this now. I wouldn't have had this. I would have, I'd have been like the rest of those guys out there doing madness. Guys, the reason I say that is because this week, it could be an opportunity with someone where you just got a little mustard seed and you don't think much of it. There's a little small thing you can do for someone and you don't rate it at the time. But 10 years later, you're gonna see that there's this big mustard tree and there are birds of the air taking refuge in it. If 2020 is gonna be one thing, I just wanna encourage people. I'm not saying to people like some next weird church where they're talking about some crazy sacrifice we gotta make. And don't get me wrong, I made some crazy sacrifices in my life for Jesus, but I'm saying sometimes there's a mustard seed. And the biggest challenge the church has isn't the crazy sacrifices, is that people won't have the faith to believe a small thing could go a long way. He finishes his degree in April. He's coming back near to where I live and he's like, I desperately wanna meet up with you. And I wanna hang out as soon as I'm back. Funny thing is, his girlfriend that he lives with, she went to my CU as well and remembers me. It's crazy, it's crazy the small little seeds God wants to give you that God wants you to sow this week, that God wants you to sow this month, that God wants you to sow this week, that in 10 years time, people are gonna say, this was my refuge. I was broken and I was depressed. I was hurting from my breakup. My divorce had me in stitches. That, that relationship that fell apart was just killing me from the inside out. That depression that I felt, the isolation, the shame, when I lost my job and when, when my career goals weren't going the way I wanted it to, when this all fell apart, when this all happened to me, when these guys treated me this way, when this person rejected me that way, there was a small seed that you came with and I took refuge in that and it saved me because that's what God does for each and every one of us. I'm going to pray for us today and that will be it for this, this part of the series on hope. Father, I thank you for the times in my life where others sowed small seeds that seemed like nothing for them at the time but meant everything to me and have been so critical for me being where I am in my life today and the wholeness that I've experienced. Father, I pray for each of us here today that we would appreciate that actually, sometimes people are always looking at the big things we can give, but there are some really small things we can do this week for someone. In our office, in our family, in our homes, in our communities, that we just know that person right now is cut up about stuff, and yet we could just offer a small, tiny seed. We can sit down and not say anything with someone who's broken and hurting and alone and feeling so low and suicidal. We can be there and take someone out who's had a, a breakup and just needs a, a brother or a sister right now and be there for them. We can help someone who's struggling in so many different ways. I pray this week, Lord God, you help us to take the small seeds that we have in Jesus' name. Amen.
really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.